Welcome to another episode of the Dream Hub podcast, the place where dreams unlock the secrets of our subconscious. I'm Melissa Johnson, your guide through this fascinating world of dream interpretation and spiritual exploration. Today, we are incredibly fortunate to have with us Athena Laz, a renowned psychologist, spiritual mentor, and a lucid dream teacher. Athena is the author of Alchemy of Your Dreams and now the Deliberate Dreamers Journal, books that have enlightened readers worldwide on the transformative power of dreams. She's great at this kind of work because she's really smart, but that's not the only reason. She's also a fourth generation intuitive. Athena appears regularly as an expert on TV and has been featured by many multimedia outlets such as Cosmopolitan, Mary Claire, Women's Health, and now the Dream Hub podcast. In today's episode, we'll travel with Athena into the intersection of psychology and spirituality, uncovering how dreams can be a powerful tool for personal growth and self-discovery. Athena's unique approach blends the mystical with the practical, guiding us through the language of dreams, symbols, and metaphors, which she describes as the language of the soul. So sit back, relax, and get ready to explore the depths of your psyche and spirit with Athena Laz on the Dream Hub podcast. Thanks for coming on the show, Athena. Thank you for having me. I've been so excited to speak to you, so I'm happy we've connected. I'm so excited too. It's truly an honor to have you here today. And I love your style. I love your book. I read your book. I remember reading it. It was one of the first dream books that my husband bought for me. And I was pregnant or breastfeeding at the time, reading it at all weird hours of the night. And it really helped me to have a ton more dreams and understanding the depths of it all. Like it just helped my dreams make so much more sense to me. It was like, it was like my Bible basically. And I love how you bridge the realms of psychology and spirituality. Um, Like it's not just fascinating, but it's like really impactful just love hearing stories of people and how they read the book and hearing that you know so like that dreaming comes back it's so nice to hear that thanks for sharing thank you no it was it was massive for me I loved it and when I looked through the book before sorting out these interview questions I was looking through and I have all these like highlighted bits and (laughs) and pen on like bits everywhere and pages folded so I was really excited to write this interview because when I read it I was like oh I'd love to speak to this lady like it's so cool (laughs) there we go (laughs) so to start off do you think that you could tell us a little bit about what inspired you to delve into the world of dreams and how this journey has shaped your approach to wellness and self-understanding sure so my dream journey wasn't a linear one um, I always had very powerful dreams as a child and teenager, and I had lots of lucid dream experiences, but didn't know what they were. Um, and some of, sometimes they were quite frightening because I would see things, but I was in the kind of liminal space between wake and sleep and kind of didn't know what was happening. And fast forward some time, I became a teenager, 20 year old, forgot all about dreaming and really didn't do much with it. And when it came down to deciding what I was gonna do with my life, um, I really didn't have a clue. And I was working in this esoteric shop and one of the girls gifted me a book by Louise Hay, which was a really well-known book if you're in sort of personal or self-help development called You Can Heal Your Life. And so I read that book and realized, well, this is, something like when like a light turned on within me and I realized oh this is what I meant to be doing this is the kind of path that I meant to be taking and for me at the time the the path that I was drawn to was psychology so I enrolled in university and I became a psychologist but at the same time I worked in that esoteric shop which was like an esoteric mindfulness-based shop And I also trained with a shaman. And so when it came time to me feeling ready to share um, what I can share in the world, my gifts and talents, I 
decided, well, what is it that I would want to impart with pe to people? And when I felt ready to write a book, what I actually pitched first was a book on intuition that had a huge chapter about dreaming. And then as the world works, I had a lot of synchronous events happen and then dreaming ended up being the book that I ended up writing first. Now I'm writing a book on intuition. So it's come to a good place, but that's kind of how it came about for me. So it wasn't very linear, but it's been a long, long process and a long time working with dreams and then many other modalities at the same time. I love when synchronicities guide us to do something that we didn't expect that we'd be doing or it's sort of we have ideas and then it flips it on its head and then it ends up being an even yeah. better idea when we're paying attention oh I'm exactly. looking forward to your book about intuition that's good that's exciting <laughs> thanks <laughs> so something that I noticed through your book was that you emphasize that we need to recognize the potential of dreams and that's like the essential first step in dream practices because often dreams are mistakenly perceived as less real or less significant compared to our waking life experiences. But like even with synchronicities, it shows that the truth is that dreams can be equally, if not more, revealing and significant, especially in contributing to our spiritual journey and our understanding. How do you think that we can help people realize the powerful gift that dreams offer? Such a good question. It's such a good question, right? Why pay attention to dreaming if there's no benefit for doing it? And I always say to people, some of the most inspired ideas that have come through people who have created unbelievable things in the world have come through dreams. Um, the idea for Google came through a dream. Um, there are so many examples of people having dreams in that sense where creative inspiration comes through and they manage to wake up, remember the dream and then take action on it. So on a very pragmatic level, that is one thing that dreaming can do. But the more that I teach dream work, pay attention to my own dreams, I realize how it's not just about what we can gain from dreaming. It's a very sort of Western perspective, no, not Western, modern perspective to view dreaming in that way, where it's something separate to us. So our dreams are something that happen to us, but they're not part of us. And really the, the biggest thing that I would say that the biggest benefit that someone can do from doing dream work is recognizing that actually you are behind the dreaming, you are the dreaming, and you are. it's as important as waking life. And so I would say to people, if you can just pay attention to your dreams for one week, just one week, and see and go to bed and see if you can incubate a dream to give you guidance on something you're struggling with, I have yet to meet someone who has said to me they haven't had some sort of dream um, and give them some, some form of help. And so I really think the proof is in the pudding. If people want to know what dreaming can do, well, I say go and dream and see what it can do. It can do all sorts of things. And it's been proven, right? There's so much research that backs it. Dreams help us heal um, emotionally. They help us to self-regulate. We can get creative inspiration. If you are like me and you, I imagine there are ma many spiritual applications for dreams as well, right? And then if we enter into the realm of lucid dreaming, we really go into a different space as well. So it really depends on the person and where they're at. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I love thinking about that, that dream isn't something separate from us it is us and it's within us and it's not just something that happens to us because yeah I think I don't know I guess my even my thinking was disconnected from that for a while too and just thinking it was like a tool or like a biohacking thing when really yeah. like it is us and it's within us it's like yeah I've been thinking of it like a relationship with self yes that's such an, a great way of explaining it and I think at the beginning I feel like it's almost like any kind of process that's very helpful in healing, right? It's okay to think of dreaming as a tool at the beginning, right? Or even for your whole life, whatever it is. But the more you gain from the relationship, it becomes very hard to limit it into this box. 
And that's the discovery that can happen for everyone listening. So if someone's listening to this and that you've never paid attention to your dreams, well, just try and see what can come up because it's experiential. This is what I love about dreaming. This is what I love about it so much is that like, it's, you know, if someone says sit and do these 20 steps and if you do these 20 steps, I can promise you at the end of this, this is what you're going to get. Well, dreaming, it's like, yes, you can do, there are steps that you can take and we can teach you those steps, but you're going to be in it for the whole time. And it's not going to be an outcome necessarily at the end, but it's going to be this journey that you shift in and change over time. It's a, it's a wonderful experience. Hmm. And you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a little bit like life. Yeah. <laughs> Can you share a personal dream experience that was particularly impactful for you? I recently had um, quite a funny dream. I had it two nights ago and um, I had a dream where I was um, in in what felt like a old university kind of dorm room and I was studying for an exam. And I realized that I had an exam to do. I never have dreams like this, by the way. So it was quite funny. So I'm, I have an exam to do. And then someone else comes in and reminds me that I have something else to do. And I've forgotten about this big, like, maths paper. And so all these people are coming in and telling me what to do, what to do. And then I realized, like, I've had enough. I need to go outside and have a break. So in the dream, all of a sudden, I'm outside and I'm standing in this great place. It feels peaceful. There's nature around me. And there's someone in a van who drives past. And they're like a whole lot of surfers sitting, you know, in the van. But they're kind of like outside. The door is open. And the one guy is holding this towel, this towel that's like stretched out. And it says, Luke but like l-u-u-u-u-c-i-g and the dream and I said oh that's so funny lucid lucid dreamings become such a normal thing and the irony is it did not become lucid in the dream I woke up right but so the reason that dream is impactful for me now is that it's just so amazing how even as someone who works with dreams daily, as someone who speaks about dreams, who does this, it is so easy to fall into conditioned patterns of behavior when feeling overwhelmed or stressed or like say overburdened with work or whatever the thing is. And so it just reminded me of the importance of the practice and how important it is to just be aware and awake even in times of overwhelm. And so, and obviously, you know, we know that like, if you can do that, if you can bring mindfulness into a place of stress or angst or trauma, even, then that serenity, that calmness helps us to transmute it because we are perceiving things from a different point of view. We've become more lucid, more awake, more aware. And so I really needed that dream just to remind me how to get back on track and come to center. And so it's it's just one dream. I've had many dreams in my life that have been impactful. Um, but but most recently that would be it. Thank you for sharing. That's I like that. I love it when our dreams try to help us get lucid as well. Like it sounds like yeah. your dream was trying to be like, get lucid. And that happens to me. I'll like it's just funny how quickly the things start to pop up when you put your mind to it and are aware yes. of what, what you're doing. Um, I was using food as a trigger, a lucidity trigger, and I never dream about food at all. But every time I went to eat, I'd check my awareness and see if I'm in a dream and feel textures and everything. And then the whole next week, food was just popping up all over the place in my dreams because it's like, I got your message, I'm trying to help. <laughs> but the awareness part that you're talking about is... Right. I think that, well, personally, that's the biggest struggle for me because I'm, I'm not super aware in my waking life. I try to be, um, but yeah, it's, it's like a practice that you have to develop it. It's like a skill really. Yes. And I think that I'm glad this has come up because the, I think this is something that is not just you struggling with this. I'm struggling with this. People who practice mindfulness will struggle with this. And so for people who have no level of um, a practice, right, 
and that's not in a judgmental way, but say, let's talk about level of awareness, then imagine how overwhelming that is. And so for me, that dream kind of came to remind me as well that like, that's the practice. It really is a practice. And it's a practice that will continue up until the moment we pass. And then if you, um, you know, depending on what your belief systems are, will continue. And so that awareness is like, yes, it is a struggle because everything around us currently conditions us to be distracted. We are living in a very distracted time. You know, it's not like before we, yeah, we were like, I don't know, out in nature, our ancestors. Mm. Um, and even then I imagine it was probably easy to not be aware. Yeah. So even not even that far thing. back, even just in the nineties, like right. I'd be sitting waiting for the bus. I didn't have a phone to sit and scroll. And you just have to be like you just are more aware because you've got nothing else to do. <laughs> You're where you are. And now yeah. we can be in so many places, you know. And I think in a way it's a good thing because it shows us like our consciousness has the ability. If we have created tech, our consciousness has the the ability to be interconnected, right? But at the same time, we, there is a need. I believe there is a need for us to bring awareness to everything because, um, and this is something I write about in the book, if we're co-creating reality and we're doing that with the way we think and where our awareness is, well, then if you're not sure where your own aware awareness is, if you're not awake to most of your life, then like what's happening, you know? And I say that as someone who is learning. So even, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. saying this from a perspective of that guy, I am walking this in that, yes, there are days when it's much easier and other days when it's much harder. Some nights very easy to become lucid, other nights very difficult, you know? And so it's a practice, it's a mm. practice. Thank you. Could you share your thoughts on how our dreams reflect the connection between not just our mind and body, but also our spirit? Sure. So there are so many ancient um, wisdom traditions, which I'm sure you know, that speak to dreams being something larger than the mind and the body, right? And so in some um, traditions, the soul leaves the body through a silver string that's cords that that is connected through the stomach and that's how we leave in um, Judaism the soul leaves and only a small part of the soul remains in the body right in many ancient cultures dreaming is part of the pathway of vision questing and so when we are in when we are talking about dreams, there, there are many ways of speaking about it, right? And we tend to compartmentalize everything because it's easier to become an expert in that way and also to understand a facet of human nature in that way. People who study the, the mind, the neurophysiological happenings that are happening when we're dreaming, they're doing a great job. They're teaching us what's happening in the mind and in the body connected, right? And so at the same time, we need to remember that there is a huge part of dreaming that is, that is well, dreaming is about the soul and is about the spirit, at least in my opinion. But these things happen in conjunction to one another. And so there is, um, it really, for me, I like to leave this, you know, to my readers or my audience or the people who hear what I have to say, that really it's a pathway of choice um, in understanding. So I find if someone begins to work with their dreams and starts to ask for, um, say, guidance or guidance as to what will come up or information that will come up, say, next week, Thursday, and they receive information that proves to be accurate, right? We've already gone into a space that is not not constrained by the mind and the body. So there we have the evidential proof in a way that there is something much larger happening behind the scenes. So in my book, I talk about this and I say that when we sleep, we dream with the psyche and we dream with spirit. And this spirit for me can be it can be named in many ways, the universe, the unseen, non-physical, our souls, greater, greater consciousness, greater awareness. So whatever the word is that people find most comfortable, that is the connector. But at the same time, we go with our awareness, we dream with the awareness that we actually generally have in waking life. So the same way you were saying, you know. You're doing something and then you realize like you weren't really there because you're kind of doing many things. 
dreaming in some ways is like that. Where does your soul go to when you are awake during the day? You know? Um, so the dreams dreams are what help us remember and help us connect to that larger part of us. I don't even have words for how cool that is. And you explain it so well. <laughs> it's definitely what I believe. <laughs> but, yeah, it's funny because, yeah. Especially after London. <laughs> I love that you incorporate the science and the spirit because some people will argue for either side, but you're saying both are happening at the same time. And why, like, why can't we all just be friends and agree on that? <laughs> and right. it, it's true. Like, yeah. Yeah. I also think that there, there are two different languages for the same thing in a way. And we need people on both sides. You know, I think currently there's such a huge pull for people to want to like, I go back you know go back in time we want to go back to like the way things were or communal living well I see a lot of people talking about like um living in in the way we were at one with nature and I fully want that to happen in that I want us as humans to be connected to nature in a way that is harmonious right but then at the same time I think we have we're literally as humanity we've developed like space shuttles we can travel out of space we have technology you can't dismiss the reality of both needs right they can be they seemingly opposite things but they can be held in balance and we do that through our awareness right so if science is saying yes dreaming is helping us to uh, resolve emotional um you know emotional issues that we're struggling with or to help us replay scenarios that would keep us safe in the future okay great both those things can be true and are true and then at the same time well we can have dreams about the future that's been proven that's actually been proven scientifically right so we can have precognitive dreams we can uh, meet many people meet deceased loved ones in their dreams Right. I have so many, so many people that I've worked with that have shared stories like that. There's great people who've written many books, doctors who've written books about end of life, death, dreams, and the impact that they have for everyone around. And so they are they're people who are embodying, yes, we understand we are understanding science, the mind being in one way, but at the same time we are open enough to understanding that there's still things that we don't fully understand, even though we can experience them, you know, or we don't have the language down. To me, it's just language. Hmm. Let's talk about dreaming with the departed. I love that topic. And sure. I've got a question for you. How <laughs> would we know if someone in your lucid dream is actually the deceased spirit or of a loved one, or if it's a dream character or guide. So in your book, you give the advice to ask them for evidence. And yeah. then they usually give us something that can be fact checked. And I've had this experience myself and it was beyond awesome. Uh, what do you have to share on this topic? I love this topic as well. It's a big topic, right? I think, um, this, so there's two things that I just want to say here. The first is that like in lucid dreaming, the par parameter for me is a little bit different as opposed to symbolic dreaming. So I um, have had um, one of my Dreamweave participants who, who shares her story freely. She had an experience when a late, uh, someone who, a partner who was dying, um, it had been quite a, a slow death she fell asleep whilst he was dying pretty much. And in that time, she had a dream of him telling her all this information about her, what they needed to know, like the world, just very pragmatic things. And when she woke up, he had passed away, but she had received all this information and it really set her on a spiritual journey of awakening, right? That was a symbolic dream it was not lucid she wasn't lucid in the dream she wasn't aware she was dreaming she was exhausted fell asleep and had that experience right in the lucid dream when you are aware that you are dreaming there are um there are multiple factors that can um impact the lucid dream so when you're saying how do i know that this is real and not something from me there is a need for trust and testing and so what I like to say and have 
have shared with people in the book is that you can tr- clear out the dreamscape from all symbols and projections and objects. And that is a tip that actually um, another dream teacher shared, who I think it's Robert Wagner. I'll have to double check. Yeah, right? you're right. It is. He it, says, it is him, right? Yeah, he says, I think he says pro- projections be gone. Is that what you're thinking? Be yeah. gone. That's exactly it, right? So if you're going to interact and try and say meet your mother, your late mother in the dream space, um, you are incubating that and you're asking for that. If a dream figure comes up spontaneously in that, um, then it's like I, I would say you would have a conversation with a stranger on the street. Um, you know, there is something to needing to see, okay, well, what was mine and what was theirs? And is this part of me? And there's usually a feeling of resonance that comes with it. And the more you do this, the more you understand your own resonance of what is um, intuitive, what is accurate, what is correct, as opposed to what is something that feels a little bit murky, right, as a projection of the mind. And so I always say to people, like, I think that is such a wonderful thing to do, but it's something that I recommend people do once they've had experience lucid dreaming. And then if not, rather incubate in regular dreaming and see what comes up because both avenues will will provide some form of experience. Thank you. Those sorts of dreams are so healing. And, I mean, they have been for me when it's like, oh, wow, it really shows that that the other side is a real thing. Like for me, when I received that dream and having it fact-checked, it just was like, oh, like, the, my whole reality changed. I was like, this is real. <laughs> and so that's really healing. And I'm always ranting on about how dreams can be used as a tool for healing. So in your view, like how exactly can we use our dreams as a tool for healing and understanding the deeper parts of ourselves? Anyone who's ever been stuck in a pattern that's repetitive will know how hard it is to consciously change something that you cannot see, right? So um, I'll hear often, I always seem to attract the same partner. I am the same upper limit in my job. And the difficulty with waking life is that you bring the same level of consciousness to the problem. What is so expansive about dreaming is that you are dreaming with greater consciousness and the psyche is whole and balanced and adaptive. It knows what it needs for well-being and wholeness without us needing to participate in it. It is a natural process that happens within us. And so the psyche gives us symbols and it gives us images and it gives us messages that can help us to heal if we pay attention to them. I was on um, social media the other day. I was debating joining TikTok, which is a whole other story for another (laughs) time. So I saw a post of a man who had um, read The Alchemy of Your Dreams and he was talking about it in review. And he was saying that he had this amazing dream where he dreamt that he was standing in his kitchen and he opened the dustbin and he saw that was that there was $200,000 in the dustbin. And he woke up from this dream and he was like ecstatic. He was like, this is a good sign. Like, I'm going to get this money, right? And so a week goes by, two weeks goes by, but he can't shake this dream because it felt different. And then anyway, he was sitting one day from what it sounds like and this thought came up into his consciousness and arose right and he realized it's a trash can it's a trash can I'm throwing two hundred thousand dollars away and at the time in his waking life he had credit card debt not it didn't seem like to that amount but he had credit card debt right and so this dream came to him to help him heal an aspect that needed to be looked at that was probably something that he was kind of avoiding in waking life or didn't think was such a big deal, right? It didn't seem like, it, it felt like more like he was just kind of like, oh, it's not such a big deal. And in the video, he says, like, I realized like that is money that I'm literally putting in the trash can and I haven't even gotten something for it. And so this one dream proved so healing, right? He literally in the video says, 
he managed to pay off like a lot of his debt, motivated him to clear his debt. He just got like that on track, you know. And so that's just one way of one dream providing some form of healing, right? But there are so many avenues for healing. We can heal in a dream. We can get closure, even if we cannot get closure in waking life. We can see and how we really feel about things. This is where the great psychology of it comes in, right? Where we start to recognize the metaphor and the language that helps us understand our own motivations, our own personal behaviors, our own unconscious desires for things or behaviors or relationships and why we do them. And so the dreams offer, dreaming offers up healing in that way if we begin to pay attention and it's exactly like what you've said earlier and exactly i imagine what all dream teachers try to drum in right is that the minute you say okay dreams this is kind of what i want to do like i'm going to pay attention to my food every time i'm eating something i'm going to bring my awareness to it and in this this part of you goes oh that's so that's so great let me throw in food at every possible um possibility you know and so that's huge healing because that is going okay well if that's happening there's so much more happening and so that for me it's just like it's literally it's infinite possibility for healing it is infinite no yeah that's so cool it's the image of him seeing that money in the trash can like yeah. image is so strong for us to to realize things sometimes because yeah I can see it'd be easy to ignore credit card debt and not think much of it but then when you realize that you're getting charged or this interest on it yeah you, you can still just be like oh that sucks but then literally seeing the money in the bin makes you go oh whoa like and you feel it and then that yeah that's so cool thank you for sharing yeah sure So we all know by now that dream journaling is the number one tool for dream therapy, but sometimes people find this is a hard task. As I said earlier, you've recently brought out a new guided dream journal, and this is so exciting. Can you tell us all about it and what special aspects does yours have and what tips do you have for someone just starting to keep one? Thank you. I was just trying to look and see if I actually have one here. I <laughs> yeah. think it's downstairs. Let <laughs> me have a look. Oh, dear. Um, so the journal's called the Deliberate Dreamers Journal. And I think the the main thing that I hear, which is exactly what you've just said, is that people find it a difficult task at the beginning to get into the habit of writing because the morning routine needs to change slightly. And so in the dream journal that I created, I wanted to make it really easy for people. So I created this kind of checklist in the one on the one page where people can wake up. If you just roll over and anything that you can remember, you just jot down. And then for most people, if they can do that, go and do whatever they need to do. This is if they're not really fully committed, right? Come back to the dream and fully write the dream out. That is a good way of beginning. So I love to write my dreams. I know a lot of people tell me they like to record their dreams and voice record them. I find if I voice record, I never listen to them. Yeah. I just, I just don't. I was saying this to my husband just yesterday because I started trying to use a voice recording app and I know I recorded some dreams and I listened to it once that morning and then forgot about it and never went back to it. Whereas when they're written... I'm always rereading through them and it's easier to compare. I think if you use a voice recorder app, it is good if you struggle to actually like get up and write, but you have to then go back and re-listen to it and then write it down. Yes. That like, and and then that is just a bigger practice. (laughs) Exactly. Right. It is a big practice. And I think it's exactly what you were saying. I always tell people, if you're going to look, your dreams are speaking to you and they're speaking to you over the course of your life we've all have stuff that comes up not repetitively but there are threads that run through our lives themes that run through our lives and if you begin to dream journal like I can go back and see oh wow there that that came up there and it came up there but in my waking life now what I do when I dream journal which is an added practice most people don't do this 
is that I write down what's happening or has happened in my waking life and I connect the two. And so if I can't see something, if something's really hard for me to, like an upper limit, um, a, a relationship that I'm struggling with, I, I write that down now so that I can see the link because the links are there and the dream, dreaming and connecting the waking world will show that, right? There's also something I find about the act of writing um, that solidifies it. And there was something, I mean, I can't remember the research around this fully, but they there's something about writing that stores mem th um, things into memory in a better way. Yeah. And so I think, I'm not sure if that's the same with a voice recording. I'm not sure. But mm. for me, like the act of writing makes a big difference, mm. you know. So I always say to people, just get up and write. I love my dream journal. If you love a good looking dream journal, please go get it. But actually, you just need pen and paper. Yeah. You know, there's nothing stopping you from writing a dream down. Nothing. You know, it's nice to have the journals, but really like there's no limit yet. There is no like barrier to entry, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, in dreaming. Yeah, it's literally, come on, guys. Writing it down and connecting it with what's going on with your life at the time, like on that day or in that season of your life, is really helpful right. on learning to interpret the dreams because then you can see like similar themes and similar symbols popping up and you might be able to correlate the two. And you talk about metaphors as well. What approach do you take to help others interpret their dreams? And like, can anyone learn to interpret their dreams meaningfully? Yes, definitely. Everyone is the ultimate authority on their own dreams. But at the beginning, it's helpful to lean into people who do this for a living. And there's really something to that because the psyche is a vast and expansive place thing. I don't even know what to label it as. And sometimes it's easy to mistake the message um, in the Torah, they say that everyone is the ultimate authority on their dream. You should only discuss the dream with three people that you trust. The dream should be spoken about in a benevolent manner. So it comes out with a good ending because we are weaving um, the dream in a way into reality. They don't say that specifically, but that is the the understanding around it right so if a dream comes up and it's really frightening right a really frightening dream that is hard to understand that is a difficult metaphor to understand then it's helpful in my opinion to look at the metaphor even if you can't understand it and finish it to take the dream to a better ending place and so everyone can learn how to do this there are so many there are actually tons of practices in the book um, and the, the more people do it, the more people learn to interpret or try and interpret their own dreams. They come to learn their own symbols um, and their own ways of understanding. So you have to think about it like in this way. Your dream wants you to get the message. Like if we are on the same team and we're playing charades, I want you to get the message. And I'm going to do it in the way that I know you are, well, the best way that I know that you will get the message, right? And it's like, imagine we've best friends and we've known each other our whole lives. I know you, I get you, right? So I'm going to know what message is going to be the most impactful to send. That's the same with dreaming. So the metaphor is then to go, okay, why this dream? And I say this in the book, ask yourself this question. Why this dream in this way right now? And if you can answer that, the, the, the message usually comes up. And then the symbols kind of become, they're important, but they can, it lessens in needing to know like, Oh, what does an apple mean? Mm. Oh, what does it mean when you're running up a mountain? No, it doesn't work like that. You know, if I'm an if I'm someone who runs up my mountains every single Saturday because that's what I love to do, right? And I dream of running up a mountain. That has such different meaning to someone who is um, an alcoholic and is about to give up alcohol and they dream they're running up a mountain. That is so different, right? So it's really got to be based into the uh, you know into the life of the person who's dreaming. Hmm. 
Yeah, I'm in this Facebook group and I think I'm going to leave it soon because it's about dream interpretation and people are constantly just writing one-liners like, what does it, like you said, what does it mean to dream of an apple? They write like, what does it mean to be dreaming of eating lots of watermelon? And that's it. And then all these other people are commenting, telling them, and I'm like, no, what? (laughs) (laughs) Just like, this is what it means. It's like, you I don't know. Are you allergic to watermelon? Do you love watermelon? What do you remember about watermelon? Like it's so different for everyone. You can't just answer like that. Charades. I love how you refer to it as that. And I know that say I'm playing charades with my best friend, like you're explaining and they don't get the message and I'm doing like this particular move or whatever it is. They don't get it. What do I do? I begin to exaggerate my movements isn't it? You play shreds and then you're like, come on, get it. And then you start doing it bigger and louder. And that's exactly what our dreams do too. When we don't get the message, it just tries to give it to us again in a different way, but exaggerated over and over till you end up getting nightmares. (laughs) Nightmares or or like my damn dream where um, I'm writing a maths paper and then loops. (laughs) Oh my. (laughs) I, I did. A, I laughed about it in the morning. I thought, well, that is quite funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but like, time to get back to like the practices. Yeah, <laughs> and maybe even like go to the beach. It's sort of like you were in a situation that you didn't like, so you left to go to something that you would enjoy more. And all these like surfer exactly. dudes came along, and that brings me on to the topic that you talk about a fair bit in your book about our instinctive nature. What is instinctive nature and what happens if we ignore it? Sure. So the instinctive or instinctual nature, right, is the part of us that knows where to go. It senses what to do. It has insight beyond, um, it has wisdom beyond logic, right? And so this instinctive part of us is like a river and it needs to be kept healthy. And there are many ways that we pollute our instinctive nature. So we do that in lots of ways. We can do that by numbing out, by watching too much TV, really negative news, eating food that makes us feel really dense, um, ignoring it, but the same way like we can ignore our dreams, right? And eventually the instinctive nature can get stuck. And what's helpful about this, what is, why would anyone want to actually connect with the instinctual nature this part of us that is knowing right well this part of us that is knowing keeps us safe not just does it keep us safe but it provides insight as to where to go and what to do insight that we can't often see from our small ego mind perspective and so the instinctive nature speaks to us in many ways right it's uh, in my um work now that in the book that i'm writing now I am showing how this nature is connected to nature outside, but also how we are that nature is what connects us to dreaming, that nature is what connects us to intuition. And so what it does is it provides us greater awareness of around the notion that we are interconnected and we are not just interconnected with one another, but we are connected to every single living thing on this planet. Right. So many people will, um, once they start to really get into dreaming, they will realize that they dream about the collective. They will realize that they dream about nature. My husband almost always has dreams. If there's going to be a tsunami in the world, my husband will dream of it like two weeks before it happens. And like when we first began, we've been together now, we've been yeah, almost together for about 13 years, right? At the beginning, when we first met each other, he would tell me his dreams about it and we never clicked. We just never clicked that that's kind of what was happening, you know? And so it's all interconnected and all linked. And that is how, that is the mechanism within the psyche that helps us to understand that connection. Um, so I'm not sure if that answered the question, but yeah. it's a big, big topic and it needs unpacking. But they are they are they sisters, dreaming and instinctive nature are sisters. Yeah. Okay. One tip, how like what's one tip on how someone could connect more with their instinctive nature? Okay, great, great idea, right? So the first thing that I would say is to stop any overwhelm. 
right? Any information overwhelm. And to just go outside and look up and look at the sky and watch the clouds for, if you can do that for at least three minutes without getting distracted, you should be able to drop into understanding your instinctive nature, right? Um, so once the body is calmer, the parasympathetic nervous system has relaxed, you know, it is much easier than through stillness and silence to be able to hear this instinctive nature. And I mean that like literally hear it. You might get, a, a, you know, a voice, you might hear a voice, you might get a knowing. There are many ways that this part of us can communicate, right? Um, that is probably the easiest way to begin. There's lots of other practices that, um, you know, people do meditating regularly, uh, mindfulness walking, being in nature without another purpose, like you were saying exactly, like going to the beach. Mm, just right? to be there. Just yeah. to be there, right? <laughs> yeah. Not to take the pictures. Yeah. Not that I have anything wrong. I don't have a problem with that. I'm just saying like if that's the purpose, like yeah. people wanting to connect that instinctive nature, well, then that's it. Go and be in and around what we are actually living within, mm. you know? Um, so yes, I would say silence, the sky, meditation, and then there are lots of other practices yeah. that are like psyche work, you know? Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. Well, that's going to be my homework for today. Everyone else listening, that's your homework for today too. Go outside and stare at the clouds for a little bit. I'm looking forward to doing that. And that also will help with awareness. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then look up and say, am I dreaming? Yeah. And then if you have a dream and you know, you see clouds, you'll know. <laughs> So considering that you're a lucid dreaming coach, I want to go deep into a topic to do with lucid dreaming and it's something that creates a bigger question. So we were talking about it a little bit before that while lucid dreaming, we are aware of two forms of consciousness at the same time. And in your book, you say that there is then actually also a third consciousness called meta-awareness and I would love to hear more about that. I remember reading that part of the book and being like, Ooh. <laughs> of course I highlighted that and I was like I wish I could just ask her and here, yeah, well, here we are. <laughs> and I found you right yeah <laughs> yeah I was like she's I coming to I... me exactly and I did oh, I, I got the message <laughs> <laughs> okay so the question right what is the meta awareness of it yeah well, say we're in a lucid dream. The best way for me to, I think, answer this is by giving an example, mm, right? Yes, please. Say, so say you find yourself in a lucid dream and there's something awakens you to the fact that you're dreaming, right? I love your example. You're eating, you look down and you recognize, you know what? I don't like carrots. I would never make this for myself. I'm lucid dreaming. So you, in that moment, your consciousness is at the level that it's probably at like now as we're talking, right? You are you and I am me. So I'm dreaming as Athena and I look down and I see the plates and that is where my awareness is at. And then all of a sudden I realize I'm dreaming, right? And I can interact with the dream. And so through the interaction of the dream, I clear out all the symbols and all the projections of the dreaming, all the story, all the image, right? I'm no, no longer sucked into the illusion of the image of it. But then at the same time, I realized that like, yes, I am this identity, but I'm also the awareness behind this identi identity. And the awareness behind this identity is continuous right? So when we tend to go to sleep at night, we fall asleep. And then all of a sudden, we wake up and we are dreaming. I mean, we don't wake up, we're in dreaming, let's say we're mm -hmm. in our symbolic dream, someone's chasing us, and we are in that we're being chased for better or worse for most of us, right? But there is a liminal passage in between being awake, going into sleep, and then going into dreaming. And your awareness can remain conscious through that entire journey. And so if it can remain conscious through all those things, you are able to recognize that you are a greater awareness. And then there's a time where you can think like a, a moment that comes, I think quite naturally, where it's like, well, if I'm 
if I am the perceiver of waking life, I am the perceiver of the in-between, I am the perceiver of the dreaming, then I am some form of bigger awareness. There's a meta-awareness. And that awareness is really interesting. I did an interview with a man called Jeff Carrera who um, runs an amazing platform called Emergence Magazine. And in our conversation, we were talking about this awareness. And in Hinduism, he was telling me that there, there are actually specific names for it. And which I knew, but I'm not well acquainted with their um their belief system. So I don't write about what I don't know, right? I don't really share about what I don't know. <laughs> um and in the fourth the fourth part of that, that is really the awareness behind symbol, image, or projection that is meta awareness. And so many schools of thought come together in that, like after the moment of death, your awareness still remains, you're still there. Um, but you are in a different realm now. And so having that awareness to recognize that, yes, you've gone from being alive to dying to now being on the other side, it's the awareness behind the same three, right? Like the awareness between the passages. And so that meta-awareness is a huge form of self-exploration. Um, it is something that can also happen through meditation, it is also something that can happen if you learn to remote view and you're viewing something from far away. There's a form of awareness that goes much that goes beyond um, time and space, right? And so I don't have the answers to that, but I can definitely tell you that that is possible. It is possible to experience that, that I feel that that is what we really are. And that the more you do this work, specifically lucid dream work and contemplative meditative practices, most people naturally land up in a position where they start to ask themselves those questions. Mm, that's awesome. <laughs> that's so cool. I'm just like, wow. So I've experienced that a couple of times and it's just like a split second it feels like yeah. for me. Yeah. For me, it feels like I'm falling asleep. I'm like I'm aware I'm falling asleep. Oh, there's some hypnagogic like images and random things going on and then, oh, okay, and then the dream starts to form around and then I go, right. oh, wow, this is a dream. Oh, wow. And then, I don't know. It's just that moment. And then I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm asleep in my bed and I'm dreaming at the same time. And I've come all the way through and then I go, Whoa, I did it. And then it's like, Doink, it's gone. Or I just fall asleep. Do you fall blackness. Uh, I'm not oh, great at waking up dreaming. Yeah. I'm terrible at it. I think I'm like, I'm a mom. I have two little kids and I just, I'm tired a lot. So I, for lucid dreaming, it's usually dream induced for me. Yeah. Unless when I'm doing they're, it with Robert all... Moss and it's like the shamanic journeying type style, I can do that because it's not as I'm going to bed to go to sleep type thing. So a nap would be better for that sort of a thing. Yeah. Right. But isn't that amazing as well? Because that's also something that um, I teach, right, is that you can connect to the same level of awareness and consciousness through waking experiences like through shamanic journey when you're drumming at you know mm. and at the same time you can do it through waking juice lucid dreaming which is what we were speaking about or through the dream through spontaneously recognizing right but that awareness exists at all times the more i do this work i realize that the belief that we are separate from that awareness is actually what gets in the way. And there's a real, uh, there really is a realism here as well, that like when you are physically fatigued, if you are very tired and you are going to bed, it is, it's so unlikely that you'll be able to do that because it's hard, right? Mm. It's hard to do that um, if you're unaccustomed to doing it because it's like a practice. It's like you're going to jump for the first time and your muscles are sore because like, yeah, it's it's sore the first couple of times because your body hasn't is not used to acting in that way, right? Yeah. And so what I love about this though is that there are so many pathways. There are so many pathways to this greater awareness. You know, it doesn't have to just be wake-induced lucid dreaming. It can be anything. It can really be anything. And I think the thing is... Um, it's just the like the commitment to it that I think is really necessary and if that wavers that makes it much harder mm. yeah 
you know, I'm always linking dream work and exercise and like a fitness thing. And it feels so similar to me. I used to be a fitness model for 10 years and it was, and I would compete and I would train like a bodybuilder, right? And it was like lifting heavy weight and it would be hard, but I would do it. And I was committed and I showed up and I had a routine and all of that sort of a thing. And now with dream work, it's so similar. And it's like, you need what you put in is what you get back out. When trying to do like the becoming so aware and doing the wake-induced lucid dreaming, it feels like lifting heavy weights. Like it's hard to do to hold your awareness the whole way through. And it kind of reminds me of leg day (laughs) for anyone listening. (laughs) It's like hold it, keep going, like push hard, you can do it. And the more you do it, the stronger you get and the easier it becomes. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And the more accustomed you are. I mean, for us, um, what I think is also so amazing about this for people listening most of us are doing this in our contemporary lives right our modern lives like you know we're we're in our lives we're not in an ashram we're not in a a buddhist center where we don't see anyone for three years we are learning the practice in a modern way and that brings barriers in many ways right because it's it makes it more difficult. It really does. I feel like, because if you can, we know that, like if you can go to um, a week-long retreat, a silent week-long retreat, you are given the time and space by the very structure to do the practice, right? But then in your everyday life, it's like, well, you know, you have your kids, you have your friends, you have your work, you have all these things. and, And now you're adding a practice on, right? But, and I know you know this, right? It's a practice that is worth the effort because it will give you so much. Um, I mean, I think that we know this, right? We know that the same way, like when you go and you exercise, you do feel much better because it does all sorts of amazing things to your body, right? Obviously, if it's done in a very like healthy, moderated way, but like balanced way. So it's the same with this. And I feel like with people, I often get asked, um, I think uh, people often ask me about wake-induced lucid dreaming. I think one of the biggest blessings I had in my life was that when I was younger, and I'm talking like, I probably like seven or eight, I had a a bed, a strict bedtime. Um, and it wasn't like, there was no like consequence for not going to bed that would be negative. But my parents would put me in bed at a specific time. And I was often wide, wide awake. My body was, I was just like, my mind was wide awake. And I remember as a kid going through the hypnagogic state of sleep. I don't know that's what it was called. Mm. Seeing images, often having the bed feel like it was vibrating, which is like when your body is actually leaving your ass, you know, you're going from dream body into astral and not understanding what that was. But I would do that on such a regular basis. So I think in a way I'm very lucky because I trained myself without realizing that that's what I was doing. And so for anyone who's listening to this now and then adult and they want to do this, just try. You can just try for like three months to just be consistent in it. It usually kicks in. It really, really does. Mm. It does. And each day or each night that you're doing things, you can have such big changes and such big breakthroughs come very quickly. Like, referring back to the gym and things like that it's like I know that after one or two workouts I'm not going to be able to lift my shirt and see abs and see ab definition you know that can take months and diet and everything and dream work can take months to build up but sometimes you can lift up and see your abs after only two days in the dream world if you know what I mean it's like sometimes (laughs) even just like you said with belief like when you don't have the belief, it, it disconnects you. And it can even be as simple as just changing your belief. And then overnight, you can have the outcome that you wanted straight away. Yeah, yeah it's different for everyone. But the belief, I think, like you mentioned earlier, is one of the strongest things to make a difference. Definitely. Yeah. And I love what you're saying about the dreaming, because in the dreaming, the barrier that doesn't exist in the same way as physicality, right? Yeah. So the minute you're lucid, you're lucid it's that's all it takes you know yeah. and then I guess remaining lucid but if you're practicing it should stay that way you yeah. Know? yeah yeah thank you 
So I've been speaking to other psychologists a little bit lately. I taught DreamWork to a few psychologists in India. Shout out if you can hear me now and if you're listening, that was really awesome. I wanted to know what advice would you give to someone who's interested in becoming a dream therapist or incorporating dream work into their professional life? I think firstly, that's an amazing thing to do. I think we need as many dream teachers as we can get, right? Um, in order to become a dream therapist, right? With the specificness of being a therapist, in my opinion, you have to go then the traditional route, go become a psychologist, specialize in dream work, right? It's a long path. That is also not a path that needs to be done by everyone, right? Um, there are many ways to teach dream work. And as here in the States, there are lots of great programs that can offer facilitation course that will give people enough um, training to go out and ethically do dream work in the world. There's something here for me that um, is often missing in the conversation I feel in some spaces is that there really must be an ethics around dreaming because you're dealing with people's most intimate um, inner workings and there is a reverence to doing this work that needs to be appreciated and I feel in traditional schools at least I can speak for myself like my training gave me that it taught me how to be really good and ethical not that I wasn't before but it really like kind of hammered it in and so I would say for anyone who doesn't want to go that route but wants to do a training make sure the teacher that you are learning from one walks their talk and two is very ethical that they make you feel safe and contained in the practices that you do so that you can go out and do the same for other people, right? And then to also understand the motivation for why you want to do dream work specifically. What is it in dreaming that attracts you to this so that you can know like what it is you're wanting to help facilitate for people. Um, so that if it's like, oh, well, it's lucid dreaming specifically, it's consciousness training, that I would say is so different than to working with someone in a therapeutic, um, more traditional, say like private practice or something like that, you know? But I say go and do it. Um, I've been debating setting up a facilitators program, but I think it's something that um, will come later for me because I really wanna create a program that is actually like a two-year program or a three-year program that takes people through like a whole range. Um, it really depends on the individual. So I'm not sure if that was very helpful, but it's more yeah. like my thoughts around finding the way, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, finding what suits you personally but then what's going to be better for everybody else. Like ethics is very important in dream work and people sometimes don't realize how sacred dreams are. And like you said, it's the deep, deep yeah. inner workings. So it's like you're going like to the depths of someone, someone's soul and their psyche. So not to mess around with that. Just jumping in, I have a little bit of advice too. I think that it's all well and good to be a psychologist and then see the power of dreaming and then want to learn to teach it. I totally understand that because it is incredible. But I think that something that can make you a better teacher or a better dream therapist is becoming a dream student first. And right. I did that for myself. I did a couple of years just as a student doing other people's courses and going into the dream world myself and having the lived experience so that I can then have more understanding of other people's dreams and use my own stories to help them relate and things like that. So definitely living it first before you then go out and start teaching it is pretty important. And like you said, lucid dreaming, like there's so many different topics within dream work. I, I know about lucid dreaming. I have a lucid dreaming coach, Lana Sackwild at the moment. And that's not for me. That's not my niche. I love doing it and I'm super intrigued, but I don't want to be a lucid dreaming coach. You know, I like to be a dream therapist and I help doing with dream interpretation. And that is what I love. And, you know, it's been a personal thing journey for me and that's just my spark. So yeah, looking into all the different niches, like you'd think psychology and then dream therapy is a niche, but then there's all these other niches within dream therapy as well that you can branch into. Yeah. 
hugely and I love what you said about that because I feel like without the lived experience of it without the actual practice you are you can't take anyone anywhere um you know there's uh, I had a a woman who's she's like a world-renowned trauma expert and I'll never forget I went to her lecture and she literally said you can only take people as far as you have gone no matter how much you know and there is such embodied truth to that because that is true you can read about lucid dreaming you can read all the doctrines all the texts have great knowledge about it but not have the wisdom of the experience right and so there's, it's really, really important that I feel first. And I think a lot of people do do that because in a way, dreaming feels so natural to us. So people think, well, I dream every night. So I know everything about dreaming, maybe, right? But at the same time, no, maybe not. Maybe it takes a little bit of time and depth and clarity to understand, um, you know, the dynamics of it. But I would again say to anyone who is passionate about it, don't be afraid, right? Don't be afraid to go out there and try and do this work there isn't actually a right or wrong way of doing this. There are many, many paths, but I do think there's a way of bringing integrity to the path and doing that in exactly like how you were saying, integrity through wisdom of experience and then integrity through the practices that you are taught, honoring your teachers and then taking that into lived experience. Right. I hope that there are many, many more dream teachers starting up we need them. <laughs> Come on board, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so we've given heaps of information today that I'm sure after listening to this episode, people are just going to be having more dreams tonight. But for anyone who struggles to remember their dreams, Athena, what advice can you offer to improve dream recall? So one of the best tips that I can offer was actually um, researched by a woman called Patricia Garfield, who was a um, you know, she was a, a true leader in the dream space back in the day. And her research showed that when we wake up, we tend to physically move, right? So you wake up and you tend to like roll over or move your body. And what that does is it interrupts the dream being stored into long-term memory. So if you can just remain still, when you wake up and replay the last thing that you can remember about dreaming, it can be a sensation, a feeling, a symbol, an image, a name, the whole story, whatever it is. If you can just sit and recall as much as you can without physically moving, you tend to then be able to recall your dreams better moving forward, right? And then also a very easy practice to do is simply the night before, as you're falling asleep, in, put a dream intention out there that on waking you will remember your dreams so as you're going to sleep you just say I'm going to remember what my dreams are when I wake up in the morning I'm going to remember what my dreams are when I'm waking up in the morning and then boom hopefully that will work if you have an inclination towards this path it's the practice just do the practice yeah those are amazing tips yay thank you thank you for having me <laughs> I want to express my deepest gratitude to you, Athena, for joining us today and sharing such profound insights into the world of dream interpretation and spirituality. Your wisdom and expertise have undoubtedly opened new doors of understanding for us all. To the listeners, thank you for tuning in to this special episode of the Dream Hub podcast. I hope that today's journey through the mystical and practical aspects of dreams has inspired you to explore your own dreams more deeply and to recognize the powerful messages they hold. Until next time, keep dreaming and exploring the language of your soul.